Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to episode three of The Aftermath, in which Daniel and I sit down and break down what we talked about on Sunday and any of the questions that we had or ideas that come to mind. So it's kind of a free-for-all, so we hope you enjoy that. Daniel, we talked about uh, Acts, specifically Acts 2 and the moment of Pentecost this week. What thoughts do you have after yesterday about that? Yeah, it was amazing. Like, that's obviously for me, like, one of my favorite passages. The whole service was great, man. Like, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the the message and like not only the message, but like we actually had, you know, like the prayer before and I think the song at the end kind of like, it was just like a complete story. Like not that we planned it. We didn't plan it really at all. It just, no, there was really no thought that went into that. It, it just all kind of worked together, like to, to tell a story and then begin to like kind of act on that story at the same time. So. Yeah. Yeah. You said it's your, your favorite passage. Like what, what about that really connects with you or? It, yeah. For me, it's the moment of God of God coming and being with his people. Like actually like um, the moment the power hits and like all of a sudden these, these people that were gathered in this room, if, if you read on in acts, it's just the, the gospel just spreads. And that was like the, when the Holy spirit hits, you know, everyone just, everyone scatters. It's like a bomb went off. And like all of a sudden these guys who were holed up in Jerusalem are now scattered. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we didn't get into yesterday just because we you know, certainly didn't have time, but I think it's important to realize. And another thing to keep in your mind is as you go through reading that text, the way in which the Holy Spirit compels that scattering, compels whether it's Paul or any of the other sort of missionaries to do that sort of that outward movement is, yeah. is usually through an unpleasant event. So you think like, early on in the action, you know, right? So Stephen is one of the sort of the deacons that were elected to sort of lead up the, the Hellenists who were Greek speaking Jews, not Judean Jews, but rather Jews from around the diaspora, which we talked about, right? So there was this, this argument because the latter, the Hellenists were feeling left out. And so the apostles appoint a number of them to take, take care of that situation so they can continue to do their work. And Stephen being one of those steps up and gives a speech that the religious authorities don't particularly care for. <laughs> uh, he really goes after the temple and a lot of the Judaic sort of imagery and, and what, what they held as co- the core of their belief uh, as, as Jesus and the Christians begin to redefine that. And they accuse the Jews of killing God himself. And that's the moment where they pick up stones and they actually stone him. Yeah. And that's the first time we see Paul at that point, Saul, right? Yeah. And he's, he's loving it. Like he's, he's one of the ones that's in on the, the persecution at that point. But it's like that moment that that scattering like happens. It's the persecution. It's when the, the sort of the establishment Judaism looks at this new Christian sect, which was a sect of Judaism at this point. It wasn't its own religion. And they realize that this is a threat. And it is that persecution and that sort of uncomfortableness that causes everybody to kind of flee and scatter. I mentioned on Sunday, like, you know, Paul mentions a couple, you know, he gets shipwrecked at one point and ends up places where he didn't plan on being. It just seems like the, the spirit when they move causes these, causes problems right. in lots of ways. It's really interesting to kind of watch how that plays out. Yeah, like, well, anytime, like the, anytime the spirit moves, it seems like the religious people uh, in that area or the people that had something to gain from, from what was, the people who were privileged and in charge did not like it when Jesus came to town, when the Holy Spirit came to town, you know, on, you know, whether it was Paul or whether it was anybody else, but when they came to town, the people who were, abusing the system and, and uh, using other people were furious. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it gets pointed out throughout the story too. You know, Paul comes down on Peter and he's like, hey, 
what are you doing? You know, like the the Judaizers obviously want Peter to sit with them. You can't be sitting with these people. Yeah. In the in the beginning of the story, there was Stephen. Like the widows were not being taken care of. Right. Um. And you know they had to appoint seven people to make sure that those people were getting taken care of. Like. So like you see that struggle and yeah. like a, as the story kind of goes on and some of like like Paul's later letters like there is some unity achieved but like there is like you know there's tension but I think the Holy Spirit causes tension like mm-hmm. he when he moves those things come to light I, I loved the language part of the story so like growing up Pentecostal and charismatic I've encountered this story many many times like it's a it's a favorite like yeah. like a lot of mainline Pentecostal churches where they're in denominations, Pentecost Sunday. This you know what you're gonna hear on Pentecost Sunday and it's and it's gonna be Acts chapter two every single time. But the lens of language, I'd never looked at it that way. And then your your bigger point, I think God wanted it to be personal and he wanted to make connection with his people and the and you reference that the story starts that way, uh, with with God walking in the garden mm-hmm. uh, with Adam in the cool of the day. The story actually also ends that way because in Revelation 22, they're talking about, look, he's finally with his people. So that's connected. That's a connected string throughout the whole story. Yeah. And like, I'd never put it together in the coming of the Holy Spirit that like, well, I, I knew that he wanted to connect with his people. Sure. But I didn't realize it was that glaringly obvious in the story. I don't think it is, right? Because I think we just, it's there. Right. We just don't understand the extent to which. So say more about, I, I'm I'm also interested like how you heard what was said. I know what I said, but like what <laughs> no, about language or like no, so for I those always, people who didn't listen to it. Yeah, so, so like I always get sucked up in the power aspect when the Holy Spirit, like when the Holy Spirit comes, it's like, oh, he's moving in power and you know, people are getting healed. People are speaking in different languages. That's cool. Well, like I did not realize that the purpose of this w- was not only that, but connection. They heard it in their own language when when Peter runs out into the street and they're like, well, these guys are drunk, you know, but somehow everyone hears in their own language, one, that God meant it for everyone, two, that like he meant it for you. Like yeah. he cared enough to make it available in your language, like, and really create that. What I, what I got out of what you were saying was like, he made it a point just for you. He knew all these different peoples were gathered together and he put it in your language so you you could hear it. And when you talked about the connection you get from speaking another language, like you referenced that YouTube guy that does the, yeah. I watch him all the time, yeah. I love him. But like he'll go into these Chinese places and they're like, how do you know this regional dialect? No one knows this, my kids can't speak it like this. Yeah. And like they gather around him, you know, and there's some sort of camaraderie there. Right. And like, I didn't realize, oh yeah, God's trying to do that too. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, the line that I used yesterday that I didn't get, and I honest, unfortunately can't remember where I read it, but uh, like to speak a language is to speak a people. As you're learning languages and, and you get to that level of fluency, in order to speak it well, you have to be immersed in the culture and to really know. And, and oftentimes that means sort of falling in love with a people or a, a culture or, or a way of, way of being. And, and I think the thing that people don't really understand, because it doesn't, the story doesn't tell you this, but everyone spoke Greek. And in that place, oh, yeah, in, in that area, everyone spoke Aramaic as well. The apostles and the, this, the disciples, the people that were gathered, could have just walked out on the street and just started speaking Greek. That would have transmitted the ideas perfectly fine. But sort of the, the point that under, you know, makes the point that you're making that God really cares about individuality and, and personalizing it is that he compelled them to speak the language that they and their people from their homeland would have spoken. Yeah. So he kind of, kind of takes it to the next level to make it personal when he didn't even have to, right? It wasn't like 
if those gathered went out and spoke, spoke Greek, half the crowd wasn't going to understand what was being said. They would have understood it. Well, they're but, there for a meeting, correct? Like they're, they're there. Everybody's there for a feast. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so like they're all, all there for that. So I'm assuming in those meetings that like they all spoke some sort of common language. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, but like for, for it to happen like that, where they all go out and hear it in their own language, right, their own tongue, right. like. For me, it's, it's compelling to, real, to, to make that realization that like, it didn't have to be that way. God did something extra, something special. He, he did make it personal when it didn't have to be just because he wants to be in that relationship and, and make it clear that like, he knows you, he knows where you're from, he knows your story and he wants to join you in that. I, as I was studying through it for the week and kind of preparing, like that was really the point that I kind of wanted to draw out of the story. Cause I think it, it gets missed. Cause you're, you're right. I think most people- Yeah, I've been hearing the story for 32 years. Yeah. That's the first time I heard it and, that And way. it's usually just about the power of God, which is yeah. not unimportant. Right, it's right. obviously there in a glaring yeah. way, but you know, I think the, the question that led us into some of those ideas was like, okay, so God's powerful, the spirit's powerful. He's gonna do amazing things in the story, but like, why does he do it this way? I think that's an important question to ask a lot of times. Like, okay, so God did something amazing, but why did he do it that way? Right. And I think that's another interesting way just to look at scripture in general, the stories that we have, I think it cracks open all sorts of interesting other questions and answers and insights that we're too quick just to breeze right over. So. Yeah. Yeah, that was seeing that. I was like, "Oh, this is, this is totally. This is it, it unfolds kind of another layer to the story. It unfolds like God's not above coming to you, you know, right, and putting it on your level. And He cares. And something is like they would have understood it the other way, but God chose to do it this way, make it personal, and show that He He loved and saw them. Yeah, you know, and and knew them. It's like, like going out and buying roses for your wife just cause, just because He. Could, just because he could and he wanted to love on you, right? It's, it's like going and buying roses, but your wife likes a certain color, you know, so yeah. you go to the certain florist and, yeah. and your your wife has a favorite number of roses to get and like all the detail. Yeah, that's a much better analogy. <laughs> yeah, I got you this time. Thanks. <laughs> so you, as you mentioned, you, you've grown up in a stream of Christianity where this has played a big role, right? This is Pentecost's front and center. Yeah. The, you know, Emmanuel historically is a sort of a stoic, German church has Lutheran roots, and I come out of a a mixed bag background, you know, in terms of churches, but not charismatic churches. Some of them actually have been cessationists that believe that that sort of thing doesn't happen at all anymore. Yeah. Um, so for those of us who haven't experienced this sort of thing, like, what's it like to be in an environment where you come to church and you just you literally just expect that God's going to show up in this kind of way, like every Sunday. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing is too, is like, it's sometimes he shows up different. So like, but, but yes, definitely in a personal type of way, we were sharing experiences on how we experience God. And for me, it's like my, my, like I'm going up in altitude and my ears pop. Um, now that doesn't actually happen, but it's, th that's the only way I can describe it. You know, like we're using that figurative language that they use. It's like a rushing mighty right, wind. Right. For me, it's like my ears pop. And when that happens, there's like this moment of clarity for me, a lot of things are just a little hazy because I'm just, you know, <laughs> but like that, at that point, like there's this moment of clarity. I feel when that happens, like there's this very tangible presence of God that's that's there. And I, other people experience it very differently. Going to churches where you expect that, it's never boring. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll say that like there are times where you can go way out on the edges of, of almost silliness 
And I definitely have like a high tolerance for silliness. Expecting God to move and being more reliant on God, I don't think is ever a bad move. Like my my wife's grandmother, <laughs> she was, you know, just as Pentecostal as they come. And uh, I never got to meet her, but like she was one of those people who like if she needed something, she prayed for it and boom, it would show up. The, the craziest stories. Like one time her son broke broke his arm. My, my father-in-law broke his arm. She prays and like, all the kids saw the arm go back. It was clearly broken and go back into place. That's odd. And it's, it's out there on the edge. But, you know, when you know that he's a necessity and you're counting on him to move, and there's something to be said for that. Yeah. I think that goes back. I think it was last week we were talking about the Beatitudes a little bit. Yeah. The poor in spirit, like a lot of... A lot of They're blessed. They are. And, and some of that reason... And it's not just poor in spirit, but it's also tangibly, physically poor, right? Oh, yeah. in, in terms of resources, because you are in a state where you do depend on God. Like God is really the only option. Yeah. Um, and so, I think a lot of a lot of our Western American Christianity is plagued by wealth and in the respect that we yeah we got it good. We don't have to have God yeah, to get by, right? Yeah, yeah we're we're doing I mean, all right. We, we we do obviously have to in some sense, but yeah. you can have a great life. Yeah, and, and never need you know have a need or feel a need for God, but yeah, I, I mean, I even your your arm story, like I hear that, and I'm like, I don't know, like, <laughs> but you know, I, I and I say that just to say, like, for those of you out there who are listening to this that are like me, that are really skeptical of those things, I've gotten over the last decade really just open to the possibility that those things are are true. I guess that's the step. Yeah, do you believe that this is true? Now you don't have to believe every claim. And you can be remain skeptical. Uh, I do a lot of in a lot of ways, and a lot of times I hear stories like that, and I'm like, okay, but did you go to the doctor? Did you get an X-ray? Not necessarily that yeah, story, yeah, yeah. right? Obviously, if an arm is actually like physically moving back into place, that's a that's another level. But um, stories like I got prayed for, and I, I felt God healing me, and uh, and then the story ends there. Yeah, I'm like, did okay, you did you, <laughs> did you check? Did you get an ultrasound? Did you you know did you did you follow up with the doctor to make sure? Uh, and, and so, but I do think so. Two points. I do think that one, it's it's important to be have a certain level of skepticism, sort of like a trust but verify sort of thing when we're talking about this, because there have been there have been times and places where this sort of thing has been abused, mm-hmm. uh, manufactured, and that's not healthy at all. Like you want to talk about blaspheming the Holy Spirit as like the ultimate sin. That's bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think claiming that there are movements of Holy Spirit, knowing that there are not, that's that's a big problem. Yeah, um, and so we need to test those things. Yeah, but. You can also like I think a lot of us who are on the, the more stoic intellectual side of the church can also be guilty of blasphemy in, in that we basically say something has not happened when God actually has moved, and so we need to be willing to be open to the possibility that these things are actually happening. Um, yeah, sorry, I just ran right through that door without setting that up at no, all. No, that's like, fine. God's no. healing people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we read these stories. For me, years ago, you know, I, I, like I mentioned, I grew up in churches where I don't know that it was ever like literally said like, God doesn't do this anymore, but it was certainly not a thing of conversation. It was certainly not something that happened. It was not sort of a charismatic church or churches at all that were where we were expecting things or even talking about it, right? So I was immediately skeptical when I came, especially, I mean, in our community, like there are many more sort of apostolic, charismatic, Pentecostal churches around where this is believed to exist and experience. And, you know, so it was in my face in a new way here. and. I think there were two points that sort of tipped the scale for me. It's one is if God is God, certainly this can't happen. 
like I, I've, I've come face to face with that reality over lots of issues, both theological, intellectual and practical, like we're talking about now. If God is God and he wanted to do that, he certainly could. And the other question is, if God does that, why would I not want to be part of that? Like, why would I not want to see that? I mean, if you're sitting out there and you're, you're, you're hearing some of these stories and what we're talking about and reading Acts and you're like, that's just craziness, like that doesn't happen. One of my questions is, one, why do you think that? And two, why do you want to think that, right? Why, if, we, if our scriptures say it happens, it did happen. It happened with Jesus and then it continued to happen into the first century. And, and we do have records of this happening throughout the early church for quite some time, right? There are stories about all this happening. It doesn't end in Acts, of course, I guess is the point. Right. What is it about our belief in God and our, we're limiting God. Like we're putting a cap, perhaps unnecessarily. Yeah. Because we just don't want to open ourselves to the possibility. I still am skeptical. Uh, I still want, you know, I still want the doctor's report after the fact that says, yeah, you know, like we, we did a scan six months ago and there was a mass and you came in today and we opened you up and it's not there. Right. Right. Like it's gone. You know, yeah. I mean, and you hear stories like that. Yeah. Those are, those are amazing stories that, you know, have no medical explanation. That's, that's but, awesome. Like, right. Yeah. I, I enjoy you on this subject because like you're such a cerebral guy. Yeah. I just, I, I just assume you're not into the feelies as much, you know, like when we get to this and you're like, yeah, it could be, it could happen. Like, <laughs> like that always like just, it tickles me because like it doesn't fit your bill, you know, cause like yeah. you're such a cerebral guy and you're looking for the explanation and right. the, the story right. behind the story and you come to the miraculous and you're like, yep, could happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and, and even if I'm skeptical, like I, I'm not going to say it can't, right? Like who am I just to put, again, like who am I to put that limit on God to yeah. say that he doesn't do that? Right. You know, and, and so I'm, I, you know, I, I remain questioning these sorts of things when, when there are large movements, you know, especially when you get sort of revival scenarios where everybody's like psychologically primed for it. Um, you know, and I, I even remember in, in college and, you know, taking psychology classes, like studying some of this sort of thing and oh, yeah. how even the psychological effect can create a sensation where the sorts of things are happening. Like can, you can actually like create chemical responses in brains that cause your body to override physical ailments for a period, which is why I say, did you go to the doctor later and have it checked out? Right. Right. Um, I remain ready to question all of that stuff for some of those reasons. And then you see some of these church leaders who you know, certainly not putting everybody in this category, but they do, you know, take advantage of it. It's, you know, we, and we see examples even in Acts, can't remember the guy's name, but he, he wants the power of God because he's a magician, he's the, somebody the magician, right? Yeah, yeah. He, because he wants to use it to make money, right? That's always been, a, set, a thing, right? The people yeah. wanted to like leverage the power of God for their own betterment. Yeah, that's ugly. Yeah, that's ugly. And, and that needs to be uh, called out and questioned. And, but if God does that, like why would, why would we not want, if God is a God that can come and speak any language he wants just to be in relationship with you and that God that wants to be in relationship with you can do this for you and with you and through you, why would you not want to step into that, right? Why would you not want to experience that? It's um, good. Well, it's like you talked about the wind and the fire that we talk about in Acts 2. There are things, those are things that cannot be controlled. Yeah. Um, and the Holy Spirit, of course, you can't control it. You can't put a, a saddle on it, you know, or whatever. But like much of the word you can kind of digest and 
you know, you have a firm grasp on it. And then God said, well, this, there's this part of me that's like uh, unknowable and unsearchable and wild and untamed. Yes. Right? Like, yeah. and we get to that part, you know, and like some people it's, it's scary, you know, cause you are taking kind of a one, you're, you're, it's more intimate with God. Right. Cause like, if you are someone who believes the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, like, or you believe that, that the Holy Spirit is moving, like it is, it is belief. There's like a leap to be taken there. It's not written down for you. You're you're not just following steps. You actually have to have a relationship with God. If the, if if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you're you're kind of taking cues from that, like you've left the realm of it's on paper, and you've entered the realm of I have this relationship and it directs me, which is frightening. Um, and it's just like any other. It kind of takes you back to that connection and love story between God and His people. Like falling in love is terrifying saying, you know, I'm going to be with this person forever. Like I remember before I got married, like that was something scary, you mm-hmm. know? And then when I met my wife, I was like, all right, we're in, you know? And, it, and you just, you jump in and you take that plunge. And I think that's what it's like with the Holy Spirit. Like you jump in and you take the plunge and it, it's, it's one of those kind of, well, I'm, I'm in. So that's difficult and scary for people. And I'm, I definitely understand that. It is wild. It's uncontrollable as you were saying, like, it's scary, but it's God, yeah. right? And if God is this God of, of Acts 2 of Pentecost, who comes and compels this wildness and brings about this wildness, but does so in this intimate relationship. And at the same time saying, look, I've got this task for you. You're not gonna like it, but I'm gonna be there with you and we're gonna get through it. You have to get to that point. And, and those of, I think the problem is those of us who have grown up in churches where this is not an expectation or an experience at all are so skeptical and we so want to control, either control God or certainly have a grasp on the understanding side of how and why things are happening. And we're just too reluctant to let go and understand that God is a good God. He's gonna do things that we don't understand. He's gonna take us down paths that we don't like. But on the other side of it, we're going to see amazing things come out of that. Um, that that if you know it, if all of the actors in Acts that God used had gone where they wanted to go or did it the way they wanted to do it, it would not be the story that it is. No, the church would not be the church. Uh, would right? it even have left Jerusalem? Yeah, they probably would not have. They would have remained probably a Christian sect. Yeah, that may have died out. Right. Right. Um, and so the promise, and you know. I love that phrase, the divide and fantasy, this sort of dream that God has had from the very beginning of living with his people, which you reference certainly in Genesis and then again in Revelation. And this is the moment when that begins to really happen. That may not have happened. If you're gonna live with God, it's gonna get crazy. The Holy Spirit definitely moves in like these power ways and it's exciting, but there's also like, we see the Holy Spirit as the comforter, you know, and he's kind of uh, empowering what I call long-term fun where you see the guys together in prison, you know, and like, Paul and Silas singing uh, in prison, like that's like long-term fun. Like, I wonder how long they told that story. Like, oh yeah, it, it, you know, Paul's chatting with Timothy, like, man, this a long time ago, me and Silas were locked up together. We started singing the jail. You wouldn't believe the whole jail started. Right. Like, so you have like these uh, opposing things that like, like a lot of the fun, I'm, I'm sure you, so you've, you've been to theme parks. A lot of the fun and memories made at theme parks is spending time chatting with people in line. 
it's not actually the riding of the ride. It's yeah. what happened in line while we were waiting on the That's ride. That's true, yeah. Or, or the, the long car ride to get there. Because yeah. you end up riding like four rides the whole day because you yeah. stay in line for hours, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we did four rides in 12 hours, yeah. So you're spending your time doing these kind of mundane things. And the Holy Spirit is, is not just the roller coaster, sure, but he's also the line. Like he's also the drive. So um, like for people that like may seem kind of reluctant, reluctant to, you know, enjoy the roller coaster part, like, you know, there's, there's a line too. <laughs> <laughs> like it, there are different facets of the, of the Holy Spirit, you know, and it's not, it's not all these giant power encounters. It's sometimes the comfort of when you're, when you're down and when you're out having that comforter there. It's the endurance, you know, like when you're like just, just tired and and you you just feel like I can't go on, and he's that you know endurance that comes alongside you and kind of lends you a hand and you you pull strength from somewhere you didn't know you had, but like that's for me. I, I worked at a hospital and at, at night, so I was alone a lot, and I'll pray like God, like why why I want to see you move like in all these ways, like why why are you not why are you not like moving like this or doing this. And he's like, well, you're not acknowledging the things that I am doing. And like the little stuff, the, the silly stuff that like, you know, no one would know about if they didn't live with me on the, on the day to day, you know, in that grind, you know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't know him. I, I didn't like acknowledge him as like my endurance when I needed endurance. I didn't acknowledge him as my comfort when I needed comfort. So like, I think the more you acknowledge him in the small incremental things that he does, I feel like it's easier to see the big encounters coming. We didn't even begin to talk really yesterday about like the setup of this story, right? Like where were the disciples and what were they doing when this happens, right? right. They were just hanging out, yeah, waiting. Because that's what Jesus had told them to do. Like just wait and I'll send power, right? They didn't know what, they didn't know what it's going. <laughs> they, they were standing in line. Yeah, well, yeah, in, in, some, <laughs> yeah, in some respects, right? Like they literally were just waiting. Yeah. And... I know for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people who like don't even have a grid or an experience for and for the Holy Spirit acting in their life, a lot of that comes from not being willing to sit, to listen, to quiet yourself, to open yourself to see even those small things that you're talking about, right? We're so busy, we're so hectic. Yeah, get a night shift job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I'm not a night person, but you know, we lives are so hectic. Yeah. And so busy. Um, and there's so many things distracting us that we say, oh, well, we've never experienced the, the spirit and it doesn't happen. And the, so the question is like, well, have you ever just sat and waited? Have you ever made room to see and to experience or to listen? I think you'd be surprised if you did. You know, like there's a whole movement in the church and has been for centuries, you know, around, you know, contemplative prayer. And this, it's a practice of literally just quieting your mind, your soul to nothing and then just, waiting. Those who have engaged in that practice over time have described is sometimes there's a, like an aha moment of a real word from God, but more often it's just an awareness of God, right? Yeah. This reality that just God is sort of ever present and he's there. And I think that's the, you got to get to that point before you can ever really talk about what we're seeing in Acts, like God actually like blowing things up and, and really everything going wild. But also back to your earlier point about like the guys in the X and the, in the, the jail cell, just singing and being joyful. Like 
once you, re I think once you grasp this, this story and you realize that this is our story, once you can accept, and it's, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow, I, I admit, like, but once you can accept like the trial, the tribulation, the discomfort, the fact that the spirit is gonna push you into places and pull you through experiences that you're not gonna enjoy, <laughs> they're not gonna be fun, that's the process and that's got what God has for us. The spirit grants you, I mean, it's part of the comfort is also the joy yeah. in the midst of the trial, right? You start to see, and you and I've talked about as we're getting the second service going and, and there's a ton of problems coming. <laughs> yeah. Like that's just, there are gonna be obstacles, there are hurdles. Or even this morning sitting in a staff meeting talking about uh, a couple issues, like how, do, how are we gonna handle this? We don't know. And then, you know, this morning there was, immediately like an answer, which is kind of wild. Yeah. Uh, we can deconstruct that later, but yeah. <laughs> um, but just realizing that the, the obstacles and the trials are actually part of the fun, right? Yeah. Once you trust that God's that are with you, you get into problem and you say, okay, God, how are we getting through this? And, and you all, you become sort of excited and in, in anticipation of how does this get resolved? Yeah. Right. And it may not get resolved the way I want it to in retrospect, I think often those those moments in my life, like I'm glad I got resolved that way because it put me on this path, right? And, yeah. and it's and things are better. It's right. kind of like the story for Acts. Things are better because they went that way than had they gone another way, right? The way well, I wanted them to. Well, I mean, like even thinking of our story, like uh, like you and I, like this is this isn't our first go round, <laughs> and like this is to me feels like a continuation of what we started like it was 12 years ago, 10 yeah. years ago how much had to happen, you know, like how much, I don't know if you can like go into like kind of detail with like, with like you, like what had to, what had to happen, you know, for, for you to get here. Yeah. You and I were talking about this. It was yesterday afternoon, actually. We, so, you know, 12 years ago or whenever, yeah, it was 12 years ago. Like we kind of launched that, that first church plant and had a vision of the kind of community that we thought God wanted to create and, and that we wanted to be a part of. And that started to really go well. Um, and, and I won't go into all the details of, of why or how I've, you know, I've talked about it before, but we kind of stopped, not the least of which is I started, we started having kids <laughs> uh, and, and I needed to take care of my family. So being a pastor at, at that point in time and place and the way that that was going uh, just became an impossibility. And, you know, I, th I think for a long time, I thought, well, okay, well, well that dream is kind of over. But as we were talking yesterday, it really feels like now, as we look back, like that was the introduction. It was yeah. almost like a, a five-year period of God saying, this is the kind of thing that can happen, that, that he wants to have happen. And then he took us <laughs> both individually and with our families and sort of that whole crew on a wild ride for the last six or eight years in the interim. And as we have kind of circled back and found ourselves almost thinking about like, this is almost like, a, as you said, a continuation, like it's, it's coming back together. And we're seeing a number of those people that were part of that first one come around again, without going into too much detail. There was a period, I think there was, for me, there was some like breaking down that had to happen. Yeah. Like those going through trials of life and stress and growing up a lot, yeah. <laughs> maturing a lot, learning a lot about life, leading organizations, having employees, like there's a lot of stuff that, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, I was just getting my feet wet in that now on the back end, it's like, oh, well, I'm actually equipped <laughs> to do yeah. a lot more now it, than I was. And 
had I just been in a church that whole time, like I would have never had those experiences. Right. You know, and, and that's it's, the inner working of the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. Like, it, I mean, I, it is, right? It's, you, you literally can see, okay, well, God blew that up and it hurt, right? Like the, the, the end of that church was not pleasant no. for lots of different reasons. Uh, but most of which was like the, the death of a dream, right? You thought God had something in store and you saw God working and then it stops. And then you're stuck there asking like, okay, well, what was that for? What was that all about? And not having an answer for years. Like, what, what do you do with that? Yeah. But then, you know, going on personally and professionally to have all sorts of different experiences and lessons learned and, and, and to sit here now and look back and, and be able to put your finger on time and time again, experience after experience that brought you here or prepared you or a lesson that you learned that you can apply directly to this, this situation, like directly to this situation. Even just, y'all, I built a business making podcasts and videos and we're sitting here doing a podcast for the, for the kingdom. Like right. 10 years ago, I didn't know anything about this. Yeah. And now we're pumping out this sort of stuff all the time. Like in a world and a time and a place when that's the way we communicate. Like we literally were, were prepared during that period and that season in order to do this and hopefully do this well this time around. So yeah. that's and exciting. Yeah, like same same thing for me too. Like, dude, I had, you know, a very tough time, you know. You know, I, I went I moved to West Virginia, got married, and like all these experiences have kind of prepared me for this. And not only like the experiences that prepare me for this, like I now have confidence in God. Oh, he's always seen me through. He's a, like he's always figured out something. Like there's always like some way he he continued his purpose through whatever was going on in my life. So I don't have to be fearful and not to be afraid. I can just be like, okay, well, God's going to work something out. It might not be the way that I want it to be, but like it'll all work together and, and I'm not going to have, I'm going to be okay at the end of the day. Like even, even if I'm not okay, I'm still okay. I think in a lot of ways over, I mean, time and time again, like there's, there's a cliff that needs to be jumped off of. I'm for it. And it well, I'm jumping it, off every cliff. Yeah, right. It, <laughs> but it's and it's it's terrifying, and rightly so. It's terrifying. We've we've kind of alluded to that a couple times now. But in some way in your life, God's asking you to jump off a cliff. Oh yeah. And most of us are standing at the edge, looking at it. We're getting freaked out, and we're running away from it. Yeah. Some of us sometimes look at it, recognize it, and just go for it. Like I, I, I hope that mo- more of us get to that point, but there's also this moment where like God's trying to like push you off that cliff. Yeah. <laughs> right? I do think the spirit works that way. And, and, and again, I think the stories in Acts, like we see God, God pushing people off the cliff. And, but I think in our time and place, it's easy, even though God's trying to push us off, there's something for us to like latch onto, grab onto and keep from jumping, right? Yeah. Keep from falling. And we just gotta get the, we just gotta get to the place where we just let go. Yeah, for me that cliff was always commitment, and like that's always been the cliff that like God's always been like, come on, and, and like so getting married was a big step, and like uh, like I never saw myself buying a home because like what if I move like you know like <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like for me coming back here and 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 you know married with five kids and like we were buying a home like. And these these things are like, those were hard yeses to give to God. Like for some people like, oh, oh, you got married, big deal. Like, no, it was a it was a very big deal and a very giant cliff that I had to jump off of for me. And like the same with, with, with buying a house, like that's a, 
to me, that was a big deal because I didn't ever see myself doing that. And it was deeply personal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's things that like I struggled with for me, like God put his finger on. I'm like, not that. Come on, man. <laughs> not anything, but not that. That just tends to be like what God does. He puts that his finger on something that you didn't necessarily want to do and say, hey, that's what we're doing. Yeah. It's like yeah. Chip and Joanna Gaines. <laughs> Six feet. Yep. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. I love that scene. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where, where that, like, that tangent came from, but like, dude, that is kind of, that is the story, you know? That's the story of God to like put his finger on the things that you don't want to do, the things you don't want to give up. And that's, that's what you're doing. And like, but it does take, you know, being sensitive, I think, to the Holy Spirit and saying, okay, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Like, if, you, if that's what you've kind of told me to do, that's, that's what I'll do. Um, that's never easy at the beginning. <laughs> well, it's not. I don't think it's easy at any time. But what's, what's the alternative? You're going to get the end of your life and you're going to look at God and God's like, hey, I talked to you here, 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 here. And you said no every time. Right. Well, and, so, and it's like, <laughs> you're going to have missed out on so much. Right. Well, right? when you talked to me at the beginning of this, I, we had a conversation about this and I, I was like, oh, you're going to do that again? Like you're going to pastor again? You know, what else am I supposed to do? This is, <laughs> this is what God's told me to do. Like, I'm going to do it. You know, like a number of people looked at me like, you sure you want to do that again? <laughs> yeah. And, and what else am I going to do? You know, if God says, go do it, like, you know, am I going to say no? If, if this is the thing that I know and I've known for a long time that God has called me to do, how do you say no to that? Right. Yeah. So that's, that's one of those things where like, you have to really get the joy out of it because if not, it's a miserable existence, right? Like, oh, sure. So like you, we, like, I think we can find it kind of fine and revel in like the, the work of the thing kind of being the fun and the thi- of the thing, you know? So I, all that to say, when we, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, when we talk about acts, it's not just these big, fun, powerful, like I think when, when a lot of people think of Pentecost, they think of a preacher on a stage and, and, you know, like these big crazy services, but it's not just that. It's the mundane, it's the hard work, it's the persecution, it's the, you know, late nights, it's, coming home exhausted, you know, after you've, you know, you've worked two jobs, you come home to your family, you're like, I have to be dad, you know, so get my dad pants on and be the best dad and husband I can be right now, even though I'm tired. Like it's those things. And like, that's where the Holy Spirit is also. Well, we are in our final push week here as we prep for our new service coming, um, which we've talked about a lot, but uh, and Sunday I, I mentioned that we're not forgetting our first service. So if you're a person who kind of enjoys one or an earlier service at 8.30, if you're a morning person and you kind of like uh, a more traditional church, that's not something that we're like killing off. Like no. we, we want to grow that too. So uh, there's a place for you here too, if that's if that's what, you, what you're into and the way that you connect with God and Daniel's come in and, you know, we've got Joni still around who uh, is an awesome asset for the church and yes. lovely person. Um, but they're starting to do some really cool things with some of the traditional hymns and old style worship. And yeah. you wanna say anything about like no, that I'm, experience? So I'm enjoying the hymns. Like, so I did not grow up in a traditional background. So 
like I'm pulling together each week like every hymn I could think of. So if you have a hymn that you'd like to hear sung, like I'd like to know it. Um, so if you can you find me or you can call in the office and say, hey, you know, we want to hear number 364. <laughs> I don't know what 364 is, but like uh, I have enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the learning experience and I've enjoyed the team working with jo- Joni and Jamie to to get it done every week. So um, it's been a lot of fun for me um, and it's it's been such a change for me. But at the same time, it oddly feels like I'm home, you know, so. Yeah. And you know, we talked about and we'll probably talk about a little more this coming week and Sunday, like some of what's going on here is we as a church are learning to speak two different languages. We, you know, we want to make sure that those who are coming have ways to connect with God that are meaningful to them. And oh. so the first service, we really, uh, I think that's one of the learning edges. We talked about like going off and learning lessons. Like oh, yeah. the first time around, you know, I was, uh, you know, late twenties, early thirties, which you are right now. So you yeah. are mature, more mature now than I was at that, that age. Cause at that age I was kind of, I think what was, would be a typical young male where I just wanted to blow things up and you kind of see one way and one path to go and this is the right way. And uh, I, I just don't think that anymore. And so I want to be, we're trying very hard to make sure that everybody has a way to worship. Yeah, music, um, musically, like there are different, like different people connect to God in different ways. And like music goes a long way into connecting people with God. And uh, for people that enjoy hymns, that, that first service is great. And I can, so when I first came in, I think I did a couple like of the newer, uh, more modern songs. And then when I hit the hymns, I realized, okay, this is where we're connecting with God. So that's that's where we're gonna stay for that first service. Like, Well, and the other thing about being here, I've mentioned it a time or two before, like this is the second oldest congregation in this town, in this community and the oldest church building. And so there's a lot of history here and being here and recognizing that and seeing that, like you just wanna honor that history to a certain extent too. And for sure. Um, yeah, I'd actually really like to see that first service grow too. So I know we've talked a lot about the second service, but uh, that first one is, there's there's something special going on there too. Uh, there, there God's there too. And has has been in a big way, especially the last two weeks. Yeah, it's been um, like a sweetness in the room. So that's an option too. Um, but 11 o'clock is like the new one. It's gonna be more modern. Uh, I can see some different styles of music and even just a sort of different culture probably is gonna re- evolve out of that. So we're excited about that. So that's yeah. a Sunday. So. Over the past few weeks meeting with people um, who will be coming with the second service, like I am absolutely thrilled. Um, Eager to see who God gathers and what, what this becomes. So we have a, I think an image in our head of the, we were talking yesterday or last night, like I have a kind of community I hope comes. Uh, I hope that in the end, it's a, bunch, you know, a group of people who really take God seriously and want to be about his work and his kingdom every day of the week, uh, becoming a family. But how that looks and what the details of that are, that's open. So I'm excited to see what community gathers and use the word the organic the, the other day. Like it, it's going to be an organic process of determining what this thing actually is. So yeah, and that's exciting. I'm ex- it is exciting. Like, yeah. uh, did you plant? You planted a garden this year, right? Yeah. Seeing those first like seeds pop up and sprout. Yeah. Exciting. So if you're out there and you're listening and you don't have a place to land for church. If you're more aligned with a traditional service, 830, if you are interested in what new things going on and what what can be, 
11 o'clock. See you then.